Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the I See Old People podcast. This is Dr. Bruce, your host, and I'm happy to be back at Storage Closet Studios uh, having another podcast. It's been four weeks since I've been in the studio. Uh, I wasn't sure how long it was going to be before I would come back, but I'm back now, uh, and I'm going to try to... uh, to avoid the topic of the day. I don't feel that it's really part of what I want to to do with this podcast. I'm going to talk a little bit today about uh, some things that have gone on since we've been locked down. It's been eight weeks now that we've been locked down. Four weeks uh, again since I've been in the studio and uh, I went through some uh, pretty bad uh, health issues uh, over that time. So I'm going to try to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I did want to say, you know, that I am broadcasting as I always am, and I'm so happy to be back, and I'm glad that uh, uh, you've tuned in again, and uh, here I am. Uh, yeah, beautiful Norfolk County, Ontario, uh, the scenery, the sunshine, the plants, the uh, fruit trees are in bloom, uh, the grass is growing, uh, the pools are open, people are smiling, the sun is shining, Everything about Norfolk County is so beautiful. But what we have seen in this last two months is that the people who run Norfolk County are are just absolutely despicable. They're, they are the worst group of people. They've shown themselves uh, to be absolutely terrible leaders. And uh, I'm very, very disappointed. I'm dis- disappointed with the leadership of the country. I'm disappointed with the leadership of this county, province of Ontario. I, I think the only level of government that I can give any credit to to have some sense of reality and semblance, but even they are just so, so, so far gone. So I'm very disappointed. I'm a, I'm a senior. You know what this show is about. I'm a 60-year-old senior, a newly minted senior, and I'm coming, trying to come to terms with what it's like to be growing to what it's like to be at the uh, back nine of life uh, actually not even the back nine I mean I, I I'm on the you know the 15th hole right now it's just trying to live that that was supposed to be the topic of of this podcast uh, never ever did I th- dream and of course nobody nobody dreamed that it could possibly that this could have happened and you can see I'm trying to avoid certain words. I think that bots are all over podcasts right now just looking for anything and anybody. And that's one of the reasons that I quit podcasting. I was becoming quite, or why I didn't quit, why I stopped four weeks ago because uh, I found that uh, with the illness I was dealing with and uh, I was becoming too opinionated and I was starting to maybe say things that would come back later and uh, and hurt me. So I I needed to stop for a while. But during that time, I had a, a significant uh, significant crisis. Yeah, I know. You know, since this show is like all about me, um, I'm going to explain it and try to to hit it. Um, I think I've openly said it in the past that I'm an alcoholic. I quit drinking. I've quit drinking a number of times over the years. Uh, I I actually had a very significant uh, quitting time. I quit in November of 2018. So I was very, very successful. I went through a couple of Christmases without drinking. I went through all the major holidays. I went through the summer of uh, 2018 without drinking. I went through the summer of 2019 without drinking. 
but in 2019 in the fall I did have a relapse when I tried I did a trip uh, I went on a trip with my wife to Halifax we had a wonderful wonderful trip but I I did relapse there and I was drinking beer on that trip uh, I felt pretty good about it though because when I left Halifax I left it there I didn't bring it back I knew if I came back to uh, Norfolk County drinking I would continue to drink and I just so I, I left it there and that was uh, good and I thought well I'm, I'm okay I'm back on trap I had a relapse uh, but I'm back on on, on target again I, I'm, I'm sober I'm not drinking uh, alcohol isn't running my life so I'm pretty happy with that you know I get through a pretty ugly surgery when I had my abdominal surgery I, I went through a kind of a bizarre time there that, that the surgery didn't heal quite properly and I still wasn't drinking and you know that relapse was it I was putting it behind me like I, I was starting to to think like this is it I, I've done it but uh, this quarantine got me this quarantine this quarantine took away my sobriety uh, about four or five weeks ago and I'll tell you how this works um, you start to convince yourself that you uh, deserve some type of a reward. You start to convince yourself that uh, you can do it because everybody else does it and it's uh, it's wrong that you should be denying yourself. This is how your brain starts to talk to you. And you know all the AA meetings have been closed down. And believe me, if I could go to an AA meeting tonight, I'd be I'd be there. So anyway, uh, that's how your mind starts to talk to you. And then what happened is I did exactly what I intended to do I I got drunk one night uh, was at dinner this was before the lockdown was it before we were actually closed in our homes yeah yeah that weekend before they actually officially just shut everything okay so and I got really drunk and I didn't feel well at all and I um, didn't feel well for a few days after and that, that was the best hangover in my life, I thought, because this is going to keep me from drinking again. And it did all the way until the following weekend. And then I uh, and then I started drinking again. And when I started drinking again, I started drinking every single day. And my habit would be about 3 o'clock, cracking the beer at 3 and basically uh, after that not much got done uh, so I tried to do all my chores and everything all my running around and everything and then at three o'clock started drinking beer at first it was just three beer and I was doing that every night three beer every night three beer every night so I wasn't getting drunk but I was I was just counting away the time to get to three o'clock and drink those three beer and then a couple of times it was one o'clock uh, it was three beer and then a couple times it was four beer um, so it was on Mother's Day last Sunday that I had a real uh, like a real awakening because well I was drinking those three beer every night for three weeks I also went into a really severe depression like a really severe depression the kind of depression that I, I call my mother and I scare her with the things I'm saying my 86 year old mother in Thunder Bay is scared after I get off the phone is that kind of depression staring out the window uh, everything about this whole situation was depressing me more and more anyway I'm having this incredible Mother's Day dinner with my family my little quarantine family of four and we are 
having a lot of fun. We're talking and we're laughing. And I had a moment of, of clarity. It was really clear to me right at that moment that I'd gone through many of these celebrations with my family members and I didn't have to be drinking. I've had a couple of Christmases and a couple of Easter's and so many others. Why, why did it have to be drinking now? And at the same moment, what was going on? Why was the whole thought, the whole idea of the depression and the drinking, it never connected. It never connected. In Mother's Day, I realized it's directly connected. I was not depressed before I started drinking those three beers every day at three o'clock. I wasn't depressed. In the beginning of this quarantine, I was not depressed. I was functioning completely normally and completely well. As soon as I started drinking the beer, I became depressed. So that's, it was so clear. And then I woke up on Monday morning and I said, that's it. I'm not going to drink. So this is just this past Monday. So Monday, I don't drink. Tuesday, I don't drink. Wednesday, I don't drink. And I'm thinking about drinking all the time. All the time. I don't drink on Thursday. On Friday. And that, to me, is this great accomplishment. I finally call my brother. I, I, I get his machine. So I don't even talk to him in person. I say, Bob, I had a relapse, but I'm better. I haven't drank in five days. I'm better. I, I beat it. And it was so sad because on Saturday, I couldn't resist it any longer. I made a declaration out to the world, to my brother, and come Saturday, my willpower was gone. And I drank on Saturday. So sad is that I drank again last night and Sunday. So now I'm back to three straight days of drinking. So today I, uh, I really mixed it up today. Today I did all of my chores. Uh, we just put a brand new liner in our pool. Uh, we, I had to clean a lot of stuff up from that, cleaned up the backyard and I, I was super active all day and I didn't, I, I left the house at three o'clock. So instead of sitting down today at three o'clock and cracking open that beer, I am here. I'm here at Storage Closet Studios and I'm talking to you. I can't go to an AA meeting. I tried to talk a little bit about it to my wife this morning, but you know, in return, what I got when I mentioned a couple of things about how disappointed I was in myself for drinking, uh, I really got more or less respectful silence, you know, loving silence. Like, she likes to have a drink of wine. She's not an alcoholic. She doesn't want to engage with me about alcoholism. She finds it a fault. And I, I, it's, it's completely good. Like I said, it was respectful silence whenever, when I would bring this up this morning. So I'm talking to you. You're my, you're my, D, you're my AA group now. And, uh, you know, so there's the story of my relapse, the, the power, the power of alcohol. You know, maybe think about sometimes if, if, you've, if you've never had a problem and, or you've never known anyone with an alcohol problem, it's pretty hard to understand this. But maybe it will, you will when you see somebody and you maybe think, my God, every time I see that guy, he's got a drink in his hand. Maybe you realize that, uh, that he's fighting a battle, you know. 
So, you know, I'm fighting a battle right now. And I'm, I'm not winning. I'm not winning the battle. So, uh, that's where I am. So, this is my plan. Uh, by the time I get this podcast finished and edited, and, uh, yeah, believe it, I do edit. I take out all my okays and my ahs. And, uh, or I try to. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, so I'm, I'm really disappointed in myself, uh, but I'm, I'm going to keep going. I have to do it. I mean, the, the health effects were so fast, okay? The depression came almost immediately. My gut started swelling up like I was pregnant. I was fat again in no time, and my gut was always hurting. <laughs> always hurting. So, like, why would you do that to yourself? That's the question. That's the question you have to ask yourself after every relapse. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you voluntarily poison yourself? And yet we do. And yet I do. Uh, okay, so getting off that for a bit, let's talk a little bit about a couple of the things that have been happening around here. Uh, Norfolk County grows a lot of asparagus. If you like asparagus, uh, there's a good chance that in the spring it came from Norfolk County. If you buy asparagus, in, you buy asparagus in the late summer or fall, then it's probably coming from Mexico. But uh, if you buy uh, Ontario asparagus now in the spring, it probably comes from Norfolk County. And they're only going to harvest about 25% of the crop this year. So expect prices in asparagus to skyrocket. Uh, they can't pick it. They can't get the workers on. That's what I was talking about with our uh, politicians here. Our health department and our politicians have decided to have the absolute strictest, strictest rules in all of Ontario. So our farmers in Norfolk County are being hamstrung where other farmers in other counties are not. So it's unfair. Our administration has shown their true colors. I'll do everything in my power to remove each one of them uh, as elections come up. Anyway, that's another story. So these asparagus fields, uh, asparagus is a perennial. It comes up automatically. You don't have to plant it. These asparagus fields have just been left barren. Uh, they're not being picked. So the, the locals are having a heyday. You can drive down uh, Port Ryersey Road and you can see a dozen, sometimes two dozen cars parked there. And uh, the locals are out in force uh, uh, grabbing asparagus for free. And I have to admit I did the same thing. It's probably illegal, but it literally took me 30 seconds. I have a, I have a multi-tool in my car, so I have a knife all the time handy. I went out, boom, 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 boom. The, the spears were beautiful, uniform. Um, I was very careful not to hurt the crop in any way, you know, to not step on anything, but really there isn't anything you can hurt out there. Um, so at least it's not going to waste because asparagus spear, if you're not aware of this, an asparagus spear, once it comes up out of the ground, uh, it's only good, you have to pick it really young. You have to pick it while it still looks like that spear that you buy in the store. Because if you let it keep growing, it's going to get taller and taller and then it's going to grow this big, big bush on the top. Like a big bush, like uh, two feet in diameter. Okay, so it's a, just a big bush of... Uh, of asparagus whatever you could call it I don't know what you would call it the asparagus head and that's what it means when an asparagus asparagus field just goes to seed or whatever they call it okay so it's it's and then next year they just go in and they cut all of that down and then the spears come up and the whole process starts again um, so yeah so this field for some reason was cut it was probably cut because um, they were going to harvest it and then this, this rule with these uh, offshore workers came into play. And what's happening is they're only allowing three offshore workers 
into every bunkhouse. Those bunkhouses were made for 12 or 15 people. And they're only allowing three in each one. So the farmers have nowhere to put their offshore workers for this two this mandatory two week quarantine. And and this and they're making these living arrangements. It's impossible for them. So uh, asparagus farmers are are unable to harvest their crops. So it's really sad. It's really sad. And uh, it, it it didn't have to be the case at all. Well, not okay. I I, I can't. I'm not going to start getting into opinions. Oh, uh, what else happened? Friends. Talk about gratitude for friends. Okay, uh, yesterday morning, uh, my wife shows me her finger. She had not shown it to me before. She has a raging infection underneath her ring. Okay, now my wife is a, a frontline uh, front home care worker, right? She works with a 102-year-old woman, Evelyn. Evelyn, she works directly and directly with Evelyn, okay? So no, she sees no other people because that's the rules that they have here for home care. Uh, so there's no cross-contamination and all of that. So, so my wife works directly with Evelyn, 102-year-old woman. So she's going back and forth there twice a day to take care of Evelyn. So her, she's washing her hands a tremendous amount of times, okay, an unprecedented number of times. So anyway, uh, this is underneath her ring finger, and she hasn't taken that ring off since I gave it to her on our 25th wedding anniversary. So that was 16 years ago, 25? Yeah, 16 years ago. Uh, oh, my math's so terrible. Anyway, she's got a little bit of arthritis in the knuckle just above it. The knuckle is swollen. It's, it's infected, it's red, the skin is cut, it is, it's a nightmare. Her, her finger, it looks like her finger is going to, um, going to die. It, it, her finger's turning color. Uh, it's horrible. She's been yanking at it and yanking on it all morning. I come down, she shows it to me. I said, we got to go to emergency. This is ridiculous. Let's go get dressed. We're going to emergency. No, 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 no. Let's go on the internet. Let's try to get a ring off. Uh, we look at a couple of things. Put ice, uh, raise it up above your head. We tried a couple of things. She's getting in more and more pain as this is happening. I'm saying I'm starting to put my foot down. Like you know, you might not want to go, but we're going. And then she has the idea of calling her friend Sue, and that's was the best idea because Sue's husband is a jeweler. Now, all the jewelry stores are closed, but, you know, uh, so he was home. And uh, we call Sue. Within half an hour, uh, he's over there. He's got this special tool he, underneath, between her skin and, and the ring. He manages to open it by two millimeters. She still can't get it off. That's how tight this thing was. Okay, so he has to force it a little bit more. He's trying to get it to three or four millimeters, the gap and then the ring the ring just snaps and that, that that's fine okay so then it comes off and even today that ring although the the finger looks much much better the indentation and it's still infected it's just crazy you know she's wearing gloves all the time she's washing all the time it's going to take a couple weeks for that ring to uh, or I mean, a couple weeks for that finger to heal and uh, but thank god you know there we are we know somebody he has this incredible skill he has this particular tool thank god for friends uh, it was an emergency situation and we were able to uh, to get that ring off uh, so thank you so much shane uh, what what a great thought that was to uh, to call and see if shane was uh, would at least we were really looking for advice on how to get a ring off from shane and he was there within half an hour 
and he took that ring off for Susan. So I'm uh, very, very grateful for that. Very, very grateful. Uh, what else happened? Oh, Snake Gate. Do I have time for Snake Gate? No. No, I don't think I can talk about it. I'm going to save that for next week. And next week uh, is going to be my six months. Okay, so I'm going to be 60 years old and six months. And because this is about my mental health and my health in general, Gene, uh, it's time for my six-month checkup. So if you, are, um, if you are a listener from early in the episode six months ago, uh, then you would know that I did a whole chart and I did a whole bunch of different measurements of myself, my weight and how quickly I could get in and off, a, on and off a chair and I timed it. And so I have all of that, st those statistics. So between now and next week's podcast, I am going to uh, do those all again. And then I'm going to compare them on the podcast next week. And I want to tell you that I'm a little bit worried because uh, because of this whole unprecedented situation here that has happened I, I think I'm weaker I should be stronger I was getting stronger when I did those measurements but I, I think I'm weaker now so anyway we'll find out and uh, and we'll talk about snake gate so it'll be six month checkup and snake gate uh, if you listen to the end, wow, I love you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be back. It feels fantastic to be here at Storage Closet Studios. I'm Dr. Bruce, your host. I'll see you NT. I will see you next Tuesday. Have a fantastic week. I love you. Hey, it's me again. I didn't, hey, it's me again. I didn't say the date of the podcast. I got to make sure I say the date. Today is May. 19th 2020 may 19th all right love you guys see you next week